Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you each and every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Today, I have an interesting guest, a guest that's going to teach me and you about marketing, specifically the customer experience marketing, which according to my guest is what almost all businesses miss. And what a shame because it's free money sitting there waiting for all of us and none of us do it well. But let me tell you a little about him before we go. My guest today is a New York Times bestselling author of six books. He's spoken to more than 700 companies, the biggest names you can think of. My guest has spoken in front of them. His blog is the world's number one content marketing blog. That in itself is worth listening to him. And then if we want to add that his podcast is one of the world's best, highest-ranked podcasts for marketing content on the planet. I'm, I'm happy to welcome Jay Bear as my guest on the You Need More Money podcast. Matt, how you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that warm introduction and excited to talk to you and your listeners. Jay, thank you. We share one thing in common and that we have the same publisher. Jay's new book called Talk Triggers is out. came out just earlier this month, right, Jay? Yeah, uh, three weeks ago uh, yesterday. Awesome. Um, that is your sixth book or your seventh book? Sixth book. Sixth book. Yep. Number six. So, Jay, what I am fascinated about with you in my preparation for this uh, podcast episode is your uh, competency on the subject matter. And the primary competency that I'm referencing is the customer experience as a marketing strategy that so many companies do poorly, of which my company is one. Now, you, you probably don't know this about us. We've been in business 23 years. We finance truckers. Um, yep. We have over 10,000 customers that we funded transactions for. We have hundreds of thousands of customers that or potential customers that we've spoken to about truck financing over the years. And in general, we have done a horrible job of staying in contact with all of them, both the customers that we actually funded and certainly the people that we've spoken to about equipment financing, and we suck at all of it. So that's why I'm so happy to have you on because I'm, <laughs> well, I'm willing to admit look, it, but I ain't alone. Don't feel bad. It's, <laughs> it's not just you. It's, it's true for a lot of people. I think we forget that the fastest and best way to grow any business is for your customers to grow it for you. Mm. And if somebody's interested in truck financing, chances are their friends are also interested in truck financing, right? You, you have even more so than some businesses, a bird of a feather uh, scenario there in terms of your target market. But I, I think that the mistake that, that a lot of people make is assuming that competency creates conversations. Mm. We assume that if we run a good business, and you certainly do, Matt, that, that people will talk about you. And maybe they will, but convincing people to talk about good is pretty hard. Because, look, I don't know everybody um, uh, who, who's, who's tuning in today. I probably know some folks, but, but I know this for a fact. Nobody ever says, hey, let me tell you about this perfectly adequate experience I just had. Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't say that, right? Why? Because it's a bad story. Yeah. And word of mouth is all about giving your customers an easy, memorable, interesting story to tell one another. And competency isn't usually that story because it's like, well, yeah, I assume they're a good company. So this, this new book that we, we created called Talk Triggers is all about how to do one thing different in your operations, one thing that your customers will notice and talk about. And that becomes a word of mouth strategy that turns your customers 
into volunteer marketers. It's the trigger for your customers to talk about their positive experience with you. That's it. But, but Jay, I think it's important to understand that when I look back on this incredible missed opportunity for us, and by the way, we're, uh, we're smart enough to recognize it now, and we call it our Acres of Diamonds project, where we're literally going back in and remining all of this data, and we're attacking nice. it in so many different ways, both in a, in a telephone call, a direct mail campaign, an email blast and drip campaign, all of these things to try to get them back. But when you start to look at the data and you realize that we have about 13,000 in a, in, a, in a good populated email list and how many tens of thousands we have bad emails on, they've opted out, they reported us as spam. These are people that we finance trucks for, by the way. I mean, it's not like we're strangers to them, actual right? Customers, These are yeah. actual customers who have said, yeah, yeah, no thanks. I don't want to hear any more about it, right? Yeah. But I think when I look back on it, one of the things, and I'm trying to justify why we were so bad at it and therefore why so many other people are bad at it, is that small business is so desperate for cash flow and for deals that oftentimes we forget that so much of the research and development has been done to close the first deal, but we're so hungry we got to get on to the next deal because we got to keep the cash flow coming in, and therefore we forget about all the other reasons why we got to stay and show love to these customers. Isn't that a real reason why so many companies do it poorly? Absolutely. And I think the companion reason, Matt, is that, is that the impact of word of mouth, which is considerable, and in business to business, which is certainly the, the side of the aisle that you come in, uh, the, the data show that 91% of all B2B purchases are influenced by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. which I'm sure is true for you. Like 0% of your customers uh, are going to have you finance uh, their truck without talking to somebody else that you've already financed. I mean, just that's the way the world works, right? But the challenge is that word of mouth and its impact, while we know it is true, it's sometimes harder to measure. Like if I buy ads or I send an email or, or I do something that's got a little bit more math around it, I can say X equals Y, right? I can, I can produce a very nifty ROI calculation. It's a little harder to do that with word of mouth. And so because it's not as obviously visible, we just sort of take a nap on it, right? We just sort of say, well, yeah, people are going to talk about us and, and that's okay. Uh, and, and then when you talk about customer experience, a lot of times we think of customer experience as a way to keep customers, not necessarily as a way to gain yeah. customers. And, and uh, I think that's a big, a big awakening for a lot of people. And Jay, aren't we also a little bit afraid to ask for the referral and ask for the commentary of how well we yes. did. And that's real yes. too. Yes, yes. It, it, it's, we're, so, we're so good at asking for the sale, uh, but we're not very good at asking for the next sale. I, I have the same problem as a speaker, right? I do 60, 70 uh, presentations a year and, and I'm terrible still. Wrote a whole book about it. Still terrible <laughs> uh, at, at asking meeting planners, hey, who else should I go give a speech to, right? Which is the simplest, simplest, simplest thing, but it feels awkward, which is why this talk trigger system that we created for the book is, is better in some ways because it allows the customer to figure out the story themselves and then tell somebody without you having to go in there and kind of light the match, right? The, the match already exists. So one of the things we do in here when, when we're interviewing for a new person, regardless of the position that they're interviewing for, we put them through a three-interview process. And the third interview is we actually give them customer service surveys, and they'll call in to say our last 50 funded deals, which for us is about a week's worth of business. And they'll ask them a series of questions on a scale of one to five. 
did we return your phone calls? Did we save you money? And the most important mm-hmm. one is, would you do business with us again? Mm-hmm. And we're amazed at, by the way, we do that because I think it's so important, uh, just on a side note, when someone's coming to work for an organization, um, you really need to hear from the customer base what that experience was. I 100%. Can, right, and so, you know, I think some of the people interviewing don't realize um, how how um, luxurious that option is where before oh. you sign on, I'm letting you hear from our customers, right? Incredible. And we love the feedback as well. And we're amazed that we get fours and fives. And then on our email Infusionsoft drip campaign, we will around uh, email number three, we'll ask you to go to a Facebook or Google and leave a review. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do we get it. So then we correlate, we pull the survey and we say, wow, this is weird. We funded a deal. The customer gave us five on the surveys. And two weeks later, we can't get them to leave us a review on mm-hmm. Google or Facebook. So you want me to tell you why that is? Yes. It's because people tell stories. And a review is just a story, right? A review is just a story that you're telling about an experience. People only tell stories when what has happened is different than what they expected. Mm-hmm. You were in the trap of competency. You, you do deals, and the deals go just how the customers expected them to go. And that's great from a retention standpoint, right? You're not going to lose business, but there is no story there. So what we do, and, and this is the, actually the exact same system that we use in our consulting firm, and we took the system and wrote it down and put it in a book. When you have those um, calls... I would add three questions to your call script. Mm. Um, Question one, have you told anybody about us? (laughs) Question two, what did you say? Question three, you then give them a list of things that they might talk about and you see which one. So then you have unaided versus aided uh, mentions. What you want to do is build some kind of a talk trigger into your operations And that talk trigger, that thing that they don't expect, will be the thing that shows up in reviews. I'll give you an example. Yes. So I live in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. uh, And 91 miles south of my home is a town called Santa Claus, Indiana. It's actually called Santa Claus, Indiana. Uh, There's a bunch of weird Christmas crap there for some reason. Anyway, (laughs) uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's like nothing but cornfields. It's like corn, 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 weird Christmas ornaments, corn, corn, corn. And then a family-owned theme park and water park, right? So they've got roller coasters and water slides and all that. It's pretty great. It's called Holiday World and Splash and Safari. Now, they understand the power of customer stories. They understand word of mouth because they have some strategic disadvantages. They're in the middle of nowhere. Like uh, like if you said, what's the worst place to put an amusement park? Like definitely we'll make the top five. No one's walking. uh... I mean, mean, it is is really hard to get to. Like I can't even tell you. It's not near anything. (laughs) Second thing is uh, they're family owned. So they don't have like huge budgets. They can't just like throw money around and advertise so much that they're going to be a success. And third, because they're independent, they don't have any characters, right? They don't have Spider-Man or Mickey Mouse or Harry Potter. They have Christmas land and Thanksgiving land and Halloween land. This is actually how they do it, but they understand stories. So they do it two ways in their operations. Again, it's an operational thing that customers notice. First thing you walk in and you see like a little hut and you, you might think, oh, that's probably a restroom, but you get closer and it's not a restroom at all, Matt. It's a free sunscreen distribution station. Mm. So all over the place, they have unlimited supplies of totally free sunscreen. 
which is pretty great outdoor place. If you've ever seen people from um, uh, southern Indiana and northern Kentucky um, applying uh, unlimited sunscreen two handfuls at a time, it's kind of a freak show, actually. Uh, it's a very shiny audience. <laughs> And then the second thing they do, you walk in a little further and you see a different, like a little bit of a bigger hut. And you're like, oh, that's got to be the restroom. Also not a restroom. It's a free soft drink station. Mm. They have 73 of these throughout the park. Unlimited Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, water, coffee, Gatorade, fruit punch, root beer, whatever. Okay. Now, in most amusement parks, a soft drink is $16,000. Yeah, it's a huge profit it's, it's, yeah. it's insane how expensive it is. It's one Bitcoin. These guys give it away for free. Now, does that cost them some revenue on the top end? Of course, of course. But it more than pays off on the back end because of the story. Mm. The number one rated amusement park in America, in average TripAdvisor rating, is not Disneyland or Disney World or Universal Studios or Six Flags or Cedar Point. It is the family-owned Holiday World and Splash and Safari in Santa Claus, Indiana. They have thousands and thousands of five-star reviews. And every single review, Matt, just grab any two at random. I don't even care. Trust me on this. Every review mentions two things. Free sunscreen and free soft drinks. No kidding. If you want more reviews, you have to do something that people do not expect. They expect you to be competent. That's not a story. A review is a story. So those things occur with... um... With some businesses having an easier opportunity to do that and some having a more difficult opportunity to do it. Like, for Mm -hmm. example, when you say that to me, the first thing that comes to my mind about my business being selfish is what would happen if we included free roadside assistance with every transaction that we funded for one year so Mm -hmm. that when that customer breaks down in the middle of the road, they know that commercial fleet, by doing business with us, got them towed to the repair facility safely and for nothing. I I like it with one caveat. One of the key principles of talk triggers is that it has to be repeatable, meaning that it's offered to all customers. It's not just a loyalty program, et cetera. Mm. The challenge I have with that idea is that it's not going to create a story unless they actually break down. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So the fact that they have roadside assistance is great, but they're only tell somebody about it if they actually broke down and then you save them, which is a, which is a much smaller percentage, right? So, Big time. so those, those people will love it, but that's a, that's not a huge group probably. Um, do you guys, do you give them a proposal? Like, do, do you say, here's our, here's our proposal for the financing? How does yeah. that work? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll quote the transaction long yep. before the, the transaction occurs. In fact, I think it's one of our value propositions is we'll ask you a couple simple questions and where everyone else says, well, I can't quote it until I get your credit application, your tax yep. returns, and your bank yep. statements, we'll just go through our expertise, which unfortunately I think connects mm-hmm. to your competency argument, and we'll go ahead and quote the transaction, and we hold ourselves very accountable to being extremely close to what we actually approve it as. And, and do you, uh, how do you give them that quote? Is it via phone? Is it an email? Is it a piece of paper? Text, phone, email. Okay. So, so... What if what, that's what they expect you to give them, right? They don't expect you to do it on the fly, which is cool. But what they what they expect is um, you're going to get a quote via the phone. You're going to get a quote via email. You're going to quote via text message. That's that's perfunctory. What if you said, all right, um, this is like something you would do in my business, which the proposals are a little more, you know, a little more lengthy. But uh, we don't do this in my company. We have a different talk trigger. Ours is around speed. But you could do something like this. What if? Uh, when you gave somebody a proposal, 
you didn't email it, but instead you sent them a sheet cake. And that cake, the frosting was made to look like the front of the proposal. The proposal itself was printed out and put into a plastic sleeve that's placed underneath the cake so that your potential customer, in order to access your quote, has to eat an entire cake. Now, would that create conversations? <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. It would celebrate the entire office as well. It's a reason for the That's customer. It. Everybody wins. Everybody, Everybody wins. wins. So yeah. in our company, there's five different types of talk triggers. One is generosity. One is speed. One is uh, empathy, et cetera. We use speed in my company. So uh, we answer the phone first ring uh, all the time. We, we respond to client emails within five minutes at all times. We have a hotline that all clients have that we staff 16 hours a day every day. Mm. Uh, and as a, as a high-end strategy firm, that kind of responsiveness is just simply not done. Uh, but, but we do it, and it is our thing, and people talk about it all the time. So it's, it's our operational differentiator in comparison to other people. So I love the idea of the sheet cake idea. How, would you, how do you begin to explore how do you do things that don't yeah. have logistics to them and don't have that yep. type of a cost? Because there's a delay. you got to hire the company to do it and then send it. Right? How do yeah, you- well, there's going to be logistics, right? Because all talk triggers are, are operational differentiators. Got it. Right? It's, it's not marketing, it's operations, right? So there's going to be logistics and there's going to be cost. Mm. The same way that there's cost for free sunscreen. It's just, how does that cost pay out, right? Yeah. So there, there, is no, there is no good word of mouth that is neither complicated nor, nor has any cost to it. It just doesn't exist uh, because it costs us time to make sure everybody answers the phone in, in one ring too, because you have to be more available, more people. You know, it, it all has some sort of um, uh, cost benefit analysis there. But the, the best way to come up with this, and you already have the mechanism for doing it, which is amazing, is, is to actually interview customers. So here's how we do it. When you're trying to figure out your talk trigger, the worst way to do it is how we're doing it right now, which is to brainstorm it. Because if it was that easy, we'd already have one. The best way to do it is to interview <laughs> three groups of customers. Okay, yes. So you interview new customers, you interview longtime customers, and then you interview lost customers. Okay, So typically five or six conversations in each group is sufficient. What you want to do is first map out all the touch points you have with your customers. Okay, yep. So they go to the website, introductory call, secondary call, quote, um, first payment, second payment, whatever, like all the different things, all the different intersection points that you have with them. Then once you have that mapped out, you, you have these interviews. And what you want to do, Matt, is talk to these customers and say, okay, at each of these points, what did you expect would happen? It's not about their satisfaction. It's about their expectations. So when you place the first phone call to our office, what did you expect would happen? What you're trying to create is a, is a map of expectations that overlays against all of your touch points. Because see, once you know what people expect, you by definition know what they do not expect. Mm -hmm. And the thing that creates stories is the thing that they do not expect. Now, it doesn't have to be hard. And what's amazing is that sometimes the things that are the most boring, right? The most mundane, like, like the quote, are the things that actually create the most conversations when you put a twist on I'll give you another example. There's a hotel chain here uh, in the U.S. called the Graduate Hotels, and there's 20, 18, 20 of them open now. They're only in college towns. So they're in like Ann Arbor, Michigan and Athens, Georgia and Lincoln, Nebraska. And, and each hotel 
takes on the ethos and the colors and the spirit and the history and the nostalgia of that university, right? So if you go to the Ann Arbor, Michigan one, it's all the kind of yellow and blue, like the school, and there's all kinds of like school-related artifacts in the lobby. They, they lay it on thick, right? That's why it's called The Graduate. Well, every hotel on the planet has a room key now, right? And the room key is like credit card shaped, it's plastic, and then you, you know, hold it up to your door and it lets you in, right? Well, every hotel has a room key that has their logo on it, right? So if you go to the Hilton Garden Inn, it's the logo of the Hilton Garden Inn, and you put the key up against the door and let you in. Well, the graduate does it differently. The graduate's talk trigger is that all the room keys in each of the hotels are printed to be the student identification cards of famous graduates of that institution. So the Athens, Georgia location, which is next to the University of Georgia, the room keys are NBA Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins, who attended the University of Georgia, and Ernie Johnson, who's the host of NBA on TNT, the famous basketball pregame show, who also matriculated at that school. People now don't throw these key cards away the way you typically do. They collect them like baseball cards. And people talk about it all over the internet and try to go to all the hotels so they can get all the different room keys. This is a room key that costs like five cents and to do it customized costs them like five and a half cents, right? So it's the most boring thing in the world that they've just put a little twist on it and it creates conversations. Yeah. So your strategy on that, Jay, then is to, is to get together with your team and begin to map out the customer journey mm-hmm. through interviewing of the customer to figure out what was your expectation at these different points. And by default, you begin to see ways that you can enhance and you can right. add and you can tweak. That's but, right. But what if you're not a very creative organization? Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting our creativity in here because yeah. it is an important factor. But, you know, my operations people are under stress to prepare contracts and get them signed mm-hmm. and fund deals. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you begin to insert this new version of extra mile service to create stories that then yep. create longer term intangible value? How does a company put this stuff into play? Yeah, you want to have a, you want to have a little committee. Uh, I don't like to use that word, but that's essentially what it is. And it needs to be cross-functional. So, so you want to have, we call it the triangle of awesome. And the triangle of awesome is, is people from marketing, from sales, from ops, and from service, right? And, and you, you want to have a, it's like a Noah's Ark, right? A couple people from each of those who are sort of into this, like, okay, you guys are the team who are going to figure this out, right? And, and what, you're, what you're looking for is not the, not the holy grail because that almost never actually works, so in this process, when you're talking to customers and you're mapping the journey, what you want to come up with, Matt, is, is typically five or six ideas, right? Some of them might suck. That's okay. Five or six ideas. And then you're going to try one. So you know what? We think we can, this one's doable. It's viable. We think people will talk about it. And then what you want to do, instead of just saying, all right, we're going off the pier, you want to try it. So in your case, um, if you're doing 50, 50 deals a week, uh, I, would, I would do 20 deals a week and give those 20 access to this talk trigger, right? And you do that for a little while. And then you see, do those 20 notice it and talk about it, right? And that's, you're great because you already have the customer survey set up. Do they notice it and talk about it? And if they do, what you're looking for is a talkable rate of 25% or more. That's mm. how, how we look at it. So it. you're going to have 20 deals a week. You're going to test it. If five out of those deals, five out of those 20 say, yeah, I noticed it. And yeah, I talked about it. Then you know, there's a there there. And then you roll it out to the whole business. So I'm just making a note here. I'm making a lot of notes today, but what I just want to recap on that. You're saying that proof of concept is when 25% 
of the of your test audience of, of your, your test audience talks about it talks about it gotcha now yep. what about if we're yep. in doing business do you still look for a 25 percent uh talk percentage where people are referencing the yeah. experience yeah when you've got actually rolled it out all the way yeah ideally somewhere in that ballpark okay got it so yeah, the, the best talk triggers are higher the best ones are 40 percent um, that, that, you know, you're in there about four out of 10 is, is, uh, is the best. And, and you might think, well, that's not that great, but, but the research shows, and, and we did this research, we did four separate research projects for this book. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just like Jay said, this is a good idea. Like this is real science here. Um, there's about a third of your customers that will never say anything to anybody. It doesn't matter. Like you could like, you could give them a pet elephant on the way out the door and they wouldn't ever tell that story because they're just not that kind of person. So about a third of the audience will never, ever, ever say anything. And about a third um, are, 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 are likely to talk about something if somebody asks them a question. Yeah. What you're looking for is the third in the middle, right? To that, that are, that you, if you give them a story to tell, they will proactively tell it. Sure. Right? So, so you think, well, four out of 10 isn't that great. But in the word of mouth game, four out of 10 is amazing. And four out of 10 can change your entire business trajectory. Look at Doubletree hotels, right? Doubletree gives people a warm chocolate chip cookie when they check in. And they've done it every day for 30 years. They give out 75,000 cookies a day. Even you know, if I surveyed, don't want it. Even if I don't want that cookie, no, they I'm still, pissed. They're like, this is, this right. is you get a cookie. This and is I, the deal. I'll recognize, right. I'll, I'll be pissed. Like, where's my cookie? I don't want my cookie, yeah. but I want to know that a consistency I is I want to know that I can have it. That's right. <laughs> and, and so we surveyed, because the question was, look, that's, a, that's an investment, right? 75,000 cookies a day. Wow. Um, and those are pretty nice cookies, right? That's not just like half-ass cookie. It's a, that's, you know, they got to have an <laughs> oven in every hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to train the staff. I mean, that's, a, that's not an inexpensive deal at scale. Yeah. So we're like, well, does this make sense? Well, we talked to their CMO and he said, yeah, I mean, we've been doing it for 30 years. We totally believe in it, but we don't actually have math there. And I'm like, well, let me help you with that. So we did a whole survey and found that 35% approximately of their customers have told somebody else about the cookie in the last 30 days. Mm. So what this means, Matt, is that approximately 25,500 people a day talk about that cookie. Mm. Now, companion question, When's the last time you saw a Doubletree ad? Right. The cookie is the ad and the guests are the marketers. That's what we're trying to do here, right? Remember, customers are the best way to grow a business. Customers who tell other customers. And and this isn't entirely true, but it's true enough. There's a saying that goes, advertising is a tax paid by the unremarkable. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is a kernel of truth to that, right? And Doubletree proves it, right? They don't have to spend a bunch of money on ads because their operations and this talk trigger, the cookie in their case, the, the room keys in, um, in, in the case of the graduate hotels, that becomes the thing that people talk about. Jay, it's great stuff. The book is called uh, Talk Triggers, but let me ask you the tough question if you don't mind. Oh, uh-oh. Why, okay, I'm ready. Why? Why do I need to? And let me just not rephrase it to, or phrase it specifically to me. Why does business need to do this? Why, it seems like there's risk involved. There's company culture adjustment involved. Yep. Maybe there's even customers that say, listen, I don't, I don't want to do all the stuff you're asking me. I just want you to do your job. Just do what my sure. expectation was. So why, sure. why is it so important? I would say this word of mouth is already influencing a massive share of your revenue, probably more than you even realize Yet, word of mouth is the most important thing in business for which nobody has a strategy. Mm. Right? Nobody has a strategy. You've got a marketing strategy, you have a sales strategy, you have a PR strategy. Social media you strategy. You have a, you have a, yeah, you have a content strategy. You've got, you got a desk full of strategies. 
But the one thing you don't have a strategy for is the thing that actually contributes more to your revenue than all of those things. So, so why at this point, why would you say, let's just let word of mouth happen? Like, why wouldn't you do it on purpose instead of doing it on accident? Now then you think about the impacts, right? When you have a word of mouth strategy that works, when you have a talk trigger that is successful, two things happen. You grow faster and you reduce your cost of customer acquisition. And mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good deal. I think most businesses have no clue what their cost of customer acquisition is. Yeah, but they will. I mean, they'll, I mean, they may not be able to put their finger on it, but if all of a sudden you're getting a bunch more customers and you have to spend less money to get them, even if you don't know the actual um, CAC, you, you'll, 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 you will perceive benefits there. So you're you- right. You're right. People don't pay enough attention to that metric, especially in B2B, where you really should know because you have a greater visibility into the transaction. I say to my sales guys, and tell me if I'm being too harsh on them when I say this, but I say, if you complete a transaction and a review doesn't show up on Google or Facebook, you did something wrong in that customer experience. I would disagree with that uh, because, as I mentioned, reviews are stories. And, and if you're not giving them, I get it. Um, I if, you're not giving them something, if you're not giving them storytelling ingredients, some customers will leave a review. But trust me, that has nothing to do with your experience. Yeah, and culture it has to too. do with that it has to do with that customer. There are some people who are just reviewers, right? That's just their thing, right? It's typically 1%, give or take. That's that's the general industry rule, that 1% of people will review anything because that's just how, that's just their deal, right? They just love it. They love it. You know, you get people who are like power <laughs> reviewers on Amazon. They're reviewing, they're like reviewing Crest toothpaste. It's like, look, man, we all know what toothpaste is. Your review is not going to, you know, sway me one way or the other. But those people like, tapity, 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 like, let me review this toothpaste. That's just their deal, right? So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. But in general, if you expect people to tell a story, you have to give them a story to tell. Mm, yeah. And that story isn't doing your job. Doing your job is not a story. Doing your job is doing your job. That's like, let me, let me, this is a little bit absurd, but, but if I was working for you and I didn't care about whether or not you'd fire me, this is what I would tell you if you told me that I need a review. I would say, when you turn on the light switch over there, Matt, and the light goes on, do you want to go leave a review about how awesome the power company is? Because all they're doing is their job. Yeah, well, that's, but conversely, too, my sales guys, if they're not looking at it from this ecosystem or maybe elevation, their stance is, screw you, Matt. I did do my job, man. I delivered flawlessly on that customer experience. We closed the deal. The guy was tickled pink. Everything worked out. There's no problems. I mean, I can't force the guy to leave me a review. And for me to use that overlay that he's right. They're right. They're absolutely right. Because what... Because what, what, what we're confusing here, as I mentioned earlier, is, is customer experience that creates satisfaction and customer experience that creates conversation. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Not the same thing. I couldn't agree yeah. with you more on it. Not the same thing. And that is the uh, genesis or the, the juxtaposition of talk triggers. It yeah, is. so we had to write the book because people, people were getting it confused, right? And then the other reason we wrote the book is that people were saying, look, social media is word of mouth. It's like, no, 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 no. Social media is a way that word of mouth is conveyed, right? Word of mouth is the story. Social media is just one of the places that story is told. So people say, well, I don't need a word of mouth strategy because I'm good on Facebook. It's like, that has, that's not the same. That doesn't, that's, that's not the same thing, right? So every business can, can create a story. Um, And it doesn't have to be a sexy business, right? So one of our clients is a company called Superior Glove, and they're based in Toronto. They make work gloves. They make like 400 different kinds of work gloves. Like for every conceivable, super specific job, 
if you're like a left-handed vampire beekeeper, like they have a special glove for you. It's like, it's amazing how, I had no idea. It's amazing how specific it is. They make really good gloves, really high quality. They compete against a bunch of companies from Asia who have fewer, fewer products, less expensive, less quality. So they hired my team and I to create a talk trigger system for them that would emphasize to their customers that they are from North America and therefore provide higher quality gloves. So we did this exact same process we're talking about. We mapped the customer journey, we interviewed customers, came up with some ideas, tested them, measured them, rolled it out. And now, Matt, if we give a pair of superior gloves, on the back is a little logo. And if you scratch it and it smells like maple syrup. Now you can imagine if you're on the work site, right? You're swinging a hammer and you're like, Lenny, how can you keep smelling the back of your hand? It's like, bro, this glove smells like maple syrup. It's from that Canadian company, Superior Gloves. Oh, right? that is awesome. Now people don't expect that, yes, right? Yes. Are you going to tell a story or leave a review about your work gloves otherwise? No, yeah. no, it's just a glove. Yeah, it's just a awesome. glove, right? But now you have a story to tell. Look, it's 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 so vital, and we're the beautiful part is if you get it right, you create a unique barrier of entry, right? That just doesn't exist because I say to the guys in the office all the time, um, "When was the last time you received a handwritten thank you card for anything that yeah. you bought? Just raise yeah. your hand. Anything." Yep. People don't notice it. Yeah, people pay attention now. It's amazing. And yep. so I almost think there's this amazing resurgence um, to do some old stuff that used to be commonplace, such as direct mail. Or totally agree. Where, where, you know, since no one else is doing it, you should be doing it. I completely agree. And that's exactly what uh, we're finding with this book and, and are consulting on this topic, right? That everything is rushed online so much that that sometimes when you just do something operationally, even if it's offline, it stands out more than it ever would in the past, right? And I, I, I absolutely concur on direct mail as well. I think direct mail today is a huge opportunity for a lot of businesses if you do it interesting and different, right? If you're just going to throw out some BS postcard, you deserve to fail, right? Like, like you know, you have to you, you have to do something that people notice, right? The first test is remarkable, which means worthy of remark. Yeah, yeah. So we, we have these attire gauges. We give them out at trade shows and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And as we're talking nice. today, I'm saying to myself, what if we sent, uh, on every funded transaction, we sent the tire gauge with a lovely note that said, we care about your safety. We know that you will do a walk around of your truck every single morning. That's mm -hmm. why we give you the tire gauge, just to make sure that the tires are up to pressure, that you're safe, that you're going to get home to your family, thinking about you, hashtag drive safe, all your friends are commercially, and everybody in the office signs the letter. Nice. I like it. That's great. it I love the thank you notes. Terrific. It's good. Is it enough to, to meet your criteria of remarkable? I don't know. Don't know. Uh, Until I, we it's hard for me to say. hard for me to say because I'm not, I'm not one of those customers, so I'm not sure uh how far outside the expectation realm it is but that's the, but that's the exact idea that's one that you would test you say okay let's do that for some actual funded deals and then see if they talk about it right and then yeah. your follow-up questionnaire your follow-up interview did you tell anybody what did you notice right and if a bunch of people are saying man i love the tire gauge and the thank you note like well then we have something yeah that's i just did what i always do which is well we'll do this anyway and then we won't data test it we won't beta test it we'll just say that it worked and then we'll tell some people that we did it no we'll have no idea whether it had an impact <laughs> on the customer well, relationship hey you know um admissions the first step to recovery
<laughs> You're talking my language there. Listen, Jay Bear, <laughs> author, talk triggers. I wish you the absolute best with the book and the continue of, of speaking. I do want to close on this one uh, compliment of you. Um, as I prepared for the for the show today, your level of preparation is in a league all of its own. It comes through on the camera, Jay. The, the, the care that you take to understand the needs of the audience and deliver a specific message through preparation um, is so evident to me. And I just want to give you a shout out on that. It's, 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 no, I appreciate that. It's that's a, very kind of you to say thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. That's, that's, uh, that's really what I do. I just happen to do it on, on stage or on the page. I'll tell you one quick thing before we wrap. There's a talk trigger for the book talk triggers, which stands to reason to be a little bit hypocritical to not do that, I, I suspect. Uh, there's actually two. One, the, the book itself is hot pink and has alpacas on the cover. So if you're in an airport bookstore or Barnes and Noble and you're like, hey, there's a book with alpacas, that's probably the right book. Uh, but second, on the back cover of the book, it says this, Matt, it says, satisfaction guaranteed. If you buy this book and do not like it, go to talktriggers.com and leave the authors a note. They will buy you any other book of your choosing, and we will. So if you buy the book and for some reason you don't like it, although I think you will, but if you don't, that's fine. Let me know. If you want a first edition Bible, we'll hunt one down. We'll make it happen. So there's literally no reason to not buy this book because you have absolutely, truly no risk. Yeah, I love that. You know, I'm, I'm involved in a, in a seminar business called Business Finishing School, and I was saying to my partner recently, I think we should offer 100% money back guarantee to every attendee. If you yeah. didn't get your $597 value, then we should know about that. And shame on Absolutely. us for not delivering $597 worth of business advice and, and, and value to the audience. We Especially in something like that, where your unit cost is essentially nothing, right? So it's not as if you've got a lot of capitalization cost at the individual student level, that if you have to refund their money, you're actually out hard costs. It's like, yeah. you know, you, you lose a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, of your profit, and your margin, but if somebody's dissatisfied, well, then they shouldn't pay you. Yeah, I love that. Jay, thanks for being on the show, buddy. Talk My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Book. Good luck. I'll see you down the road. All righty. Thanks. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.